We've been going through the uh, Passing It On series, and if you think about going through Proverbs and just uh, going on through it, if you remember, we've done a lot of different ones. We've got to listen carefully. If you don't hear something correctly, you'll come up with the wrong uh, answers, wrong instructions. The uh, reminds me when I was in college, we had a guy that he's, became a missionary after the Lord got a hold of him, but his first year in class, he'd just sit there and sleep a lot until the Lord got a hold of him. I'll never forget, he fell asleep in class, and before we started class every day with prayer, so somebody just bumped him on the shoulder right in the middle of the professor's lecture and said, he called on you to pray. <laughs> he immediately stood up and started praying. <laughs> the professor rolled right along with him, just thanks for joining us. But, uh, the Lord uh, got a hold of his life. He and his wife served in the mission field for many years. But we have to listen carefully to the Word of God and what the Lord and the Holy Spirit is telling us, or else we're going to come up with wrong conclusions and we'll do wrong things. We also had wisdom in life. Remember in chapter 2, the wisdom from God's Word will protect you. In chapter 3, it'll direct you. And in chapter 4, it will perfect you. We then had communication. We all would agree there's good communication and bad communication. And we can easily see it in communication, just uh, saying one thing but actually meaning something else. And so we can easily come up with it. We had friendship, ways in the book of Proverbs, how to ruin a friendship, how to select a good friend, and then how to be a good friend. We saw that as well. And then we had, uh, two weeks ago, we had work and wealth. Talking about thieves or the sluggard and Seven, 17 times sluggard is mentioned in the book of Proverbs. The poor and then the obviously the diligent worker and if you don't work you don't eat even in the New Testament so we should be working. And then last week with the uh, Gideons here we also did the Word of God and the importance of the Word of God that's reliable but then also just how it covers everything. Psalms 119, everything that we'll need. Now we may not know it all we may not want where to look because of its vastness, but the Word of God is there and will help us. And it also, it's Hebrews 4, it's sharpening two-edged sword, it'll cut you to pieces too. It's one reason why a lot of times when we are uh, uh, not living the way we should, we one of the first things we do is stop reading the Word of God because we don't like to get cut up and correct. Today I'd like to think about just on the uh, passing it on, is planning your future. Proverbs talks a lot about planning your future. And I think it's interesting when you look at it. First of all, it would be that of uh, descendant. Yesterday I was at a funeral. Some of you knew uh, Joe uh, Hubbard Sr. And he was at uh, Eastwood and he was at Metro. And his his uh, two sons, Joe Jr. and then also Jim, were uh, graduates. Anyway, the funeral was there yesterday and it was a good. Uh, minister did a phenomenal job in music. It really was an honoring service. Uh, but Joe's request was make sure it is even evangelistic. And the minister did a good job and it was. Remembered it and so on. But once you think about it, being a descendant, Joe Jr. and Jim are physical descendants of Joe and then also of Billy. But what are their spiritual descendants? You know, is Joe Jr. and Jimmy, are they spiritually believers? I don't know. I don't know. But the same thing can be asked about you and I. 
you know, how have you ever done that? There was different tests with, you know, you know, Ancestry.com and all the rest. And we look at all this and we know our ancestors, our physical ancestors. But what about our spiritual ancestors? When you stop and you think about it, we're told we're either a child of God or you're a child of Satan and there's no in-between. One of the big things we have to decide is what is our spiritual descent? Because it, we're, a lot of us don't have a lot left. But eternity is a long time. And so I think one of the things we have to ask is, are you a child of God or not? Your future depends on it. So one of the biggest questions is to ask that. And you find that in the book of Proverbs. Let's look at chapter 3. One is the descendant. Who are we, obviously? And is the what's your relationship with Jesus Christ? But also then you have a decision we have to make besides what descendant are you. And the decision you have to make in chapter 3 down from 1 to 5 or 1 to 6 we see it often is are you a pilot or are you a passenger? And I think what happens for a lot of us what we do on the decision we often have it we'll even see it on people's bumper or on their license plates God's my co-pilot. The problem I have with that if God's your co-pilot how often does the co-pilot fly the plane? Copilot only takes and flies the plane when? When the pilot, something happens to him. And that's the way I think most Christians, if they're honest, that's probably the way it is. We run it, and whenever, you know, we're like Carrie Underwood, whenever we mess up and we're sliding on ice, we do what? Jesus, take the wheel, and when it comes to a stop, you take it back over. Look at the choices you have, pilot or passenger. Choices in verse 1 and also in verse 3. My son, don't forget my teaching. Don't let your heart keep, but let your heart keep my commandments. And then when you jump down to verse 3, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Coming out of Deuteronomy 6. So I think choices you have, are we going to listen and obey? A lot of people hear it, but they don't obey it. Also, notice it's a lifelong commitment. How many people do you know that have started off well, but they didn't, they've left, they quit. Whatever reason, they quit. So when you think about it, the pilot or the passenger, we have a choice to make. Who's going to run it? Notice the consequences in verse 2 and verse 4. For the length of your days, years of your life, peace shall be added to you. Verse 4. So you'll find favor and good report in the sight of God and man. You notice the consequences, length of life, quality of life, and character of life. And that's amazing to me how many times people don't really care much about their character. I don't care, you look at it, a national scene and flip and politics and everything else, and I don't care what party, it's just amazing. The character, the lack thereof of character in individuals unbelievable lack of character and it's uh, but how many of us want to be remembered for that so here you have this decision is God going to be my pilot now if he is notice the commitment you then have to make when you get to verse 5 and 6 notice the commitment trust in the Lord with all your heart lean out on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him until he'll direct your paths 
Okay, if that's the case, then I have to be a passenger. He has to be my pilot. So we have to restrict our vision. And I think it's important, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And I think it's what happens, we get so caught up in looking at other people, what they have, what they do, you know, what they own, or what job, or how fast they're moving up. We have to restrict our vision on Christ. The second says, rely not on your senses. How of us rely on our senses a lot more than we should for decisions we make. We do that a lot with our experience, don't we? And how many times when people ask us for in direction, being older, do we simply give instruction based on our experience, which may or may not be in accordance to the Word of God? So we have to restrict our vision. We have to rely on our senses. Third one, in all your ways, acknowledging we have to remove our hands. How many of us, as a pilot, have trouble taking our hands off the wheel? You know, when I get on a, you know, just got through flying just recently, when I get on a plane, I just took it for granted the pilot knew what he was doing. He knew where he was going. When we hit the storm or did anything, we rely on all that. We don't think about it because he's been trained, and we have often in our family have jokes that we go on, Based on how they land, we say he's an Air Force pilot or he was a Navy pilot, and based on how they land, you know which one they are. It's often when you go talk to them afterward where their training was, and you're right more often than not, based upon how short a runway they had and how quick they'd have to set it down and different things like that. But how many of us will remove our hands in a plane? You sit as a passenger and you don't think about it, but when it comes to our life, we want to try to run it. And he is trained the pilot, and we are not trained to fly that plane. <coughs> Notice the results. When you do that, he will make your paths straight. If we don't do those things, that promise is not there. So I want you to think about it. Who is your pilot? What's your relationship to him? If you don't have a personal relationship with him, then he's not going to be flying that plane for you. You must be a child of his, and then we must allow him to fly. So besides whose descendant are you, and then the decision is what part you're going to play, pilot, co-pilot, or a passenger, what about doing your part? Let's look at some of the ones we can do. Look over in, in chapter 15. In verse uh, 22, we'll look at some like we had before. Notice without consolation plans, or plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. How many of you seek and consider wise counsel? Or how many of us think we're old enough and we don't need to ask anybody? You know, I, you know, you say that, but how many of us, after your four old cane and you've lost so much and everything's falling apart, you finally decide, you know, maybe I ought to talk to somebody that knows a little more about this than I do. Might be in a mechanic, it's amazing how many vehicles come into that shop where people have tried to fix it themselves. 
and it is in the worst shape, and they're having to redo. They got one there. I was down there this week, and there's two motors they're pulling out, and having to redo them because the people tried to do it themselves, and I mean it is terrible. And now you're trying to figure out what they did or didn't do, and try to figure it out. And how much more money is it going to cost them? Than just seeking wise counsel. And I know Brian will find the same thing. It's amazing how many times they use the wrong length of bolt. They use all kinds of stuff and crack and break and do all kinds of stuff. But how many of us are willing to seek and consider counsel? You know, what happens is the older we get, so often we won't do it. We won't do it. What about chapter 16 and verse 9? Seek and consider wise counsel, verse 9 of chapter 16. The mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. How many of you will allow God to confirm or change your plans? All right. It's difficult. How many of us make plans? Lord, this is the plan, and I want you to bless it. I'll never forget when I was in high school, I remember a a minister was debating about moving and doing different things and asking for prayer and all the rest of this about moving and doing different things. And you, you saw, you know, just as a high school student, I heard about all the roadblocks. I mean, there was roadblock after roadblock after roadblock that God was showing. And so he, obviously from the outsider, he says, don't buy it. The Lord's given you every opportunity. But nope, nope. You buy it anyway. Well, then we're not allowing the Lord to change. He's showing you what to do or not do, but we're not listening because we're so set on what we want. Look over in chapter 21. Doing our part, we need to seek and consider wise counsel, allow God to confirm or to change it. Chapter 21, notice in verse 2. Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. How many of us allow God to search us? We think we're doing what's right, and how many times do other people look at it and say, no, you're not? It's amazing. I remember not long after I first started here, I forgot where we went. We went as a, as a fellowship somewhere. Uh, and so I was closer from my house to go a different way home. Well, anybody, Gene, will be the first to tell you I'm challenged when it comes to directions, especially at night. So we leave Grady and the rest of them were going to Owasso in one way, and I didn't have much gas. And I don't know where in the world I was. I mean, I got lost out there. You talking about praying now. I was praying like mad because I was, the lights on my vehicle, you know, you're about out, you're in the middle of nowhere, and I couldn't have told anybody how to find where I was. Lord was kind enough to find a gas station and keep driving and eventually finally saw something I knew and was able to get up. But I think what happens, how many of us really, we think we know what's going on, but we are really lost and get turned around. How many of your small planes that go down, people don't know how to fly by instrumentation and they wreck because their senses get messed up? And, uh, it happens, I think, oftentimes. What about in chapter, uh, since you're in 21, what about, uh, or let's go to uh, a little bit further on, this, talking about searching your hearts, but what about chapter 21 in verse 1? 
You find it in verse 1 and verse 31, and also in 27. Notice in 21.1, The king's heart is like a channel of water in the hands of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. We can do our part, but how many of us are willing to leave the results in his hands? What about verse 31 of chapter 21? The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. How many of us think we can manipulate him? What about in, uh, you find the same thing in 27? Notice in verse 1, which likewise is in the book of James, chapter 4. Don't boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. If we knew what was going to happen, how many of us might have done some things differently with your different uh, choices you've made in uh, your finances or anything else over the last couple of years? Uh, how you might have frozen your assets two or three years ago? <laughs> might have done things. So I think it's interesting. In doing our part, we we seek and consider wise counsel. You also you allow God to confirm it or to change it. I'm on the right path, or I need to change it. You search your heart because we really may be wrong in what we're thinking. And also we leave the results to God. It's hard to do that because we compare results with other people. Uh, how well do I plan? And what do I do when God changes my plans? How often do we try to manipulate the plans? We have something we want, we want it so bad, and God may be showing something else, and we're going to do anything we can to manipulate. Uh, isn't that kind of the, what was happening with uh, Isaac? Think about it. Were they both trying to manipulate the results? Think about it. So one is our, who's descendant, are you? Two, the decision is God my pilot, or a passenger or a co-pilot whatever and doing my part something else in planning the future is developing godly character in the book of Proverbs it's amazing and developing character is so important look in chapter 9 we'll just kind of go through it again chapter 9 notice in verse 9 being receptive to instruction notice Given instruction, this is nine nine. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. How of us, as we get older, stop learning? I know enough. I don't need to know anymore. And I think we we can say that isn't true, but how of us really are searching and trying to learn more about the Bible? Or we think we know enough, and we just stop. And so I think he, developing godly character, there's always more, there's always a lifetime. The Bible is so deep. In fact, you stop and you think about it. I'll give you a couple of questions. I'm going to ask it later, but it's amazing when you get into Paul uh, talking when he's writing in Philippians chapter 3, and he, verse 7 and 8. He talks about all these things. He lists all these accomplishments. You know, he was educated under Gamaliel and all the rest of that. He says, these things I consider what? rubbish all his accomplishments are rubbish but verse 10 he says his goal his plan was that I may know him and the fellowship 
I want, so his future plan is I want to know him more intimately. How many of us in our future plan does that have anything with I want to know God more intimately? And if it does, we're going to have to be in a quiet place to hear it. And in the Word of God, we won't hear it. Besides the uh, receptive to instruction, what about in chapter 11 of Proverbs? Verse 3. The integrity of the upright will guide him, but the falseness of the treacherous will destroy them. Character will be their guide. It's amazing when you start looking at things, and you see this a lot in politics on both sides, how often does character just so greatly lacking? And you'll, they'll say one thing to one audience, they'll say something to another audience, there's no development. In fact, it seems like the longer they're in, the more corrupt they become. And part of that is because who are they listening to in Psalms chapter 1? Who are they walking, standing, and sitting with? It has a tremendous impact on what they're doing. But notice the receptive to instruction and the character is your guide. And go back just for a second to chapter 6 interesting when you look at this we'll use this again in a minute but chapter 8 and verse 6 to verse 9 chapter 8 verse 6 to 9 and it's wisdom calling but it also can speak to us listen for I shall speak noble things and the opening of my lips will produce right things for my mouth will utter truth and wickedness is abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straight forward to him who understands and the right to those who find knowledge. How many of us speak the truth always, every time? Somebody asks you whether they like it or not, you're going to speak the truth. You don't change now, it's amazing how many times we will change or manipulate. And so we'll say something that's true, but the person we know is taking it incorrectly. But we don't want to make that correct. And like I told you, when I was in a class on statistics years ago, and the NFL was on strike, and the networks are all showing, they had the union of uh, the players. The players are saying, we only make this much. The Owners are saying, no, you make this much. And I'm thinking, how in the world can they both on national TV be saying and being that far apart? The reason was because of how they chose to use statistics. To get an average, there's three ways of doing it. You can just take two. The highest played player and the lowest played player, you add the two together, and that's what the average person makes. Is that how you and I would take it? The second way they can do it, they can say the one, the number that the most of them make is the average amount. Well, that's not necessarily average either. But that is another way of doing average. Or you add all of them together and you divide by the total number and that's the average. That's how they ended up with the different numbers. 
But it's amazing when you're looking at it, you and I don't know. So who do we believe? And the same thing is happening all the time. But Scripture tells us if you want God in character, you speak the truth every time. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Why is it that we have to put our hand on the Bible and swear to tell the truth? Shouldn't that be always the case? It's amazing how that is. Notice in chapter 14, developing godly character, your receptive instruction, you characters your guide, you're a lighthouse to others and what you speak. Notice it's interesting in chapter 14, you may not have thought about this, but notice in verse 32. The wicked is thrust down by his wrongdoings, but the righteous has a refuge when he dies. Even in the Old Testament, is a reward in eternity for doing what's right. In fact, Malachi even had the book of remembrance. Why is character so important? Because you take it with you and where you go. So yes, you may get a lot more on this earth by having bad character, sometimes, but you have eternity. You can't take that stuff with you. So I think about it, uh, how many of us are open to change? If you don't believe it, just look at most churches. What has caused more church splits in America in the last 20 years? What? Music. Not doctrine or anything else. It's music. If you look at Philippians, what's the guideline or Colossians? What's the guideline? Teaching one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It is the words that are being said. <clears throat> Not the accompanying, but it's amazing. Now, we obviously have to hear the word, but it's just amazing how many times that we get all up. We're opposed to change. Uh, second question you think about, am I a chameleon? How many people in politics are chameleons? But how many Christians are? They get in different places, and one minute they will stand up when they're over here, and the next minute they just blend in and say absolutely nothing. How many of you are, or how many of us are cafeteria Christians? How many of you like cafeteria? I have to go through because I like to pick what I want and look at it, right? But how many of us do that as Christians? I don't like broccoli, I don't like cauliflower, I don't like this. That's all good for me, I don't want it. So I'm not going to touch that. I'm only going to take potatoes, everything else is bad for me, but I like it. I think an awful lot of us are cafeteria Christians. But if I want to develop godly character, then I have to do what the Word of God tells me to do. He has the scaffold, if you remember in Hebrews 4, he cuts away. And the doctor tells you what you can and cannot do, and you have to abide by it. But what about, uh, I think the last one then, besides the descendant are you, or decision pilot or co-pilot, or doing my part, or developing godly character, how many are desiring in being a godly leader? If you are, we just saw it already, we read the ones about speaking the truth. If you want to be a godly leader, you have to speak the truth. Every time you open your mouth, you speak the truth. That's why it says speak the truth in love. How many of you, when you were brought up like I was, you can't say something nice, what? Don't say anything at all. And so I think it's important 
for us to do the same. Speak the truth in love. But if it's not going to be edifying and gracious to the audience, then just simply don't say it. There's a time when you have to confront, but oftentimes we do it in the wrong place in the wrong way. What about in the uh, chapter 11? The importance of godly leaders. I think we can see it in our nation more than at any other time, probably in our history. Chapter 11, notice starting in verse 10 and 11. We'll see it three different times at least. Notice in chapter 10, uh, let's give me 11, in verse 10 and 11. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there is glad shouting. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked is torn down. How important is it to have godly leaders? See it a great deal. Go over to chapter 16. Verse 12. It is an abomination for kings to commit wickedness, for a throne is established on righteousness. Well, when we look at our Congress and everything else, what would you say about it? Go over to chapter 29, or see, see here, let's go over, yeah, chapter 29 and verse 2. Righteous increase, the people rejoice, but when a wicked man rules, people groan. How important is it to have godly leadership in planning for the future? Not only as a family, but as a state and as a nation. It's so important. And so I think it's important for us to think about by the way, are we not told to pray for our leaders? And how do you think we ought to do that? Lord be with our leaders. Or you think we ought to be named? So I think it's important you think about it. Character matters, and it's best for our nation as well. If you think about it, you're talking about planning the future. We have to decide who's the Senate, are we? Are we a child of God or not? On what part are we going to do in running our life? Am I a pilot? Am I a co-pilot? Or am I a pastor? There is a part I have to do. I seek wise counsel with people and with the Word of God. Developing godly character takes time. And then uh, we want godly leaders and being one. Let me ask you this. Read you uh, thinking about a couple of passages we know well. Matthew 6, seek ye first what? And there's a big difference. You have to do both. So if we're planning our future, how many of us are doing that? What about when Paul, excuse me, when uh, David writes in Psalms 139, Search me, O God, and try me and see if there's any wicked way in me that I'm going to change? I'm going to start saying, Lord, hey, here I am. Take your Bible and just carve me up. Just carve me up. Psalms 42 and verse 1 is interesting what it says, too. As the deer pants for what? So my soul. Is that really true? You think about it. How many of us are panning for the Lord? How often do you think that deer gets water? But how often are we going after the Lord? So we're thinking about it and we do it. 
I think for the future it's so important in the book of Proverbs, but how important is it for you and I? We've got a lot we can develop in our own lives. We also have a lot we can leave for our kids.